1: Welcome to another day. It's Happy Nation Sports Talk. He's Vince DiDario. I'm Sean Steyers. Staying warm out there, Vince.
2: I I'm very warm because I haven't left the house uh, <laughs> since I got home at 3 a.m. this morning. So, nice. yeah, man, it was yeah, it was a rough, long day yesterday. Let's just put it that way.
1: So you went, you started in Panama City, correct? Where did you fly
2: in and out of? So. Uh, There's a very small airport just north of Panama City Beach. We flew out of there. Originally, we were supposed to go to Nashville. All those flights were canceled. So we got pushed to the next day. We flew in the complete wrong direction to Dallas uh, to Love Field, which I guess is a smaller airport in the Dallas area. Right. And uh, you can tell I'm not a world traveler by any stretch. I had no idea there was more than one airport over there. (laughs) <laughs> um so we go there the first flight was delayed about an hour and a half then we had a four-hour layover anyway in dallas so no big deal well that flight got delayed another hour and a half Ugh. so we finally we were supposed to leave at 7 30 central time and uh from dallas right but our, our original flight was supposed to leave at 150 from panama city then 7 30 but that didn't leave until almost nine o'clock central time to midway then, of course, we had to go find the car and drive home. Drive home. So, yeah, we, we, yeah, we got, uh, we landed. landing the car has got to be fun, too, when it's, like, zero degrees I was outside. so nervous it wasn't going to start. I'll be real honest with you, because we dropped it off on Thursday when it was still, you know, in the 30s, you know, mm-hmm. normal, whatever. And it was, I mean, we know what it's been around here. In the negatives, it was negative seven, I think, when we landed, and, uh. It started, baby. My old car. She started right on up. Of course, there was no traffic at uh, one o'clock in the morning, so uh, no problems there. Flew on home. Yeah, got home, got home right at the stroke of three. So yeah, oh, man. Yeah, what it a was, day. It was a long day, my friend, but uh, it was good. Like we sat in like a hotel bar, which apparently in Texas you can do with a sixteen-year-old. And uh, <laughs> who knew? Watch football. Uh, the entire football game that was on. It, the guy didn't care that we we're just hanging out. So. That worked out pretty well. So nice. I was like, Are you sure he can be in? He's like, I don't care. All <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> Welcome to Texas. All right
2: then.
1: You know, in Texas, they've got those, uh, or at least they used to, I think they still have them. They're like drive up liquor store kind of things. I mean, really? you were at the yeah, it's like you literally, <laughs> you know, it's like going to McDonald's or something. You pull up and and uh, you know, get your get your 12 pack to go. Kind That's of thing. awesome.
2: I've yeah. never been to the state of Texas. Now granted I was only in the airport, but uh never been to Texas before. So I guess that's my one trip to Texas has been in the airport for 4 hours or whatever it was.
1: I've never been to Love Field. I've seen the signs down there a couple, you know, a couple times and I've yeah. been down there. I've been to the big, I can't remember what the name of the airport actually is, but you know, the bigger airport in right. Dallas.
2: It, it's smaller, obviously. There's 20 gates. Yeah. There was only one concourse, you know, 20 gates kind of a deal. But they had restaurants and stuff. So, I mean, it was bigger than I had anticipated when I was worried about a four-hour delay and what the heck we were going to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it was it was quite the journey. It was quite the journey.
1: Yeah, Tommy, uh, that I know of, uh, at least in northern Indiana, no drive throughs up uh, here. There
2: is that one drive-thru. There's one drive-through that I am aware of, but it is technically in Michigan. Okay, on the, on the state line. There you go. Uh, that we may or may not have frequented when I was a younger chap, my college days.
1: All right. I didn't even know about that one, but yeah, okay.
2: So, it's a hole in the wall, Michigan. joint. You know what I mean? It's not like a yeah, yeah, but it's not in Indiana
1: all right well we're going to uh we're going to talk a little Notre Dame football today we're going to gauge the success of the season that just was the mm. 2023 Notre Dame football season as in just how successful was Marcus Freeman's second season yeah. so I'll just throw it right to you Vince didario do you consider
2: the 2023 Notre Dame football season a success this was a hard, This is a harder question than I had anticipated that it would be uh, to be because when you sit back, you. I
1: came up, you know, like with these bullet points, yeah. and I'm like, okay, how am I going to
2: address right? You know? So because yeah. there's you could sit when you dissect it when you when you sit down and you dissect it and you you break it up into all the little pieces and parts, right? You can find successes, you can find mm-hmm. positives. There's no doubt. There's a bunch of them. There is a bunch of them, but I think if I'm being honest, I was disappointed overall I was. And so if I'm disappointed from Vince DiDario's perspective, I do not think that it was a success. I, I I think there are some successes weaved in, but as an overall, when you add it all together, I I don't think that it was. And I, I hate to say it that way. I sound like (laughs) a bitter fan, but I had higher expectations for this season and they were in the basement of where the floor was. Uh, of where I anticipated the floor should be, this season. in the
1: basement of where the floor
2: was. Yeah, oh, like the floor okay. is like That's the you know ground level. Uh-huh. They, they they kind of ended up in the basement. Now was was um, it a
1: finished basement, An unfinished basement? It
2: like was a where? finished basement. It was a <laughs> okay. bit of a man cave, but we're still below ground, which is not good. There's plenty of, of teams out there that would have killed for the success that Notre Dame had, but I think at Notre Dame the bar's a little bit higher. Yeah, I I, I do so. Maybe I'm being negative.
1: No, Um, you know, I was wondering if I was going to be the negative one because (laughs) I can't, you know, because you're right. And I'm not trying to paint it like this was a horrible season, anything like that, because there were good things, obviously, that happened absolutely within it. If you look at the final numbers, like if all you did was look at the final numbers, offense and defense, but you didn't look at the final record, which is what matters the most, right? Not just statistics but the final record the wins and the losses if you look at you know if you if you don't look at the final record and all you did was look at the stats you'd go oh it was a great season you know look at all these great things that they did and again not trying to paint it as a complete negative but I can't consider it completely successful you know it ended on a positive note with a bowl win okay that's nice but you know two teams with a bunch of opt-outs you know so you basically you're you know you're playing a lot of you know depth depth chart type guys yeah Yeah. you know but it was a good season but they were only one win better than marcus freeman's first season as well and for me i think that they had to at least get to a new year's six bowl for it to be a true success agreed
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
3: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: They had beaten Louisville they likely would have done that. They likely would have at least been in a New Year's sure. Six Bowl. And, you know, with with what they had at quarterback, what their defense was, you know, all that, like I would probably rate it seven and a half pushing an eight out of ten if I was going to go scale of one to ten what I've thought of the entire season. You know, it was like C plus B range. But again, if it, you know, I have to look at the at the final result. We can't just go right, exactly. stats. We've got to look at at wins and losses are are ultimately what count at the end of the day. So when I when I look at that, where they ended up, that's that's kind of what I came to. It was a good season, right? But I can't call it an overall success because it, it fell short of at least getting to the New Year's Six Bowl.
2: Absolutely correct. And that is why I think at the end of the day, the the overall record is what makes it a success or not a success. The, the manner in which you get there is important. The journey is important. And we can pick out positives throughout the journey. We can also pick out a lot of negatives throughout the journey as well. When it when it comes to in game coaching, when it comes to, you know, having to replace a, a position coach that was supposedly tearing down. The, the the foundation of Notre Dame football from the inside out. Um, but you have to take all of that together and what, what happened wins and losses. Notre Dame was on the outside looking in. They were in the Sun Bowl. They were in El Paso. That is not the destination that you or me or right. anybody else anticipated going into this season. Period. I mean, they
1: made lemons, you know, lemonade out of lemons in the end. When they went to the Sun Bowl, sure, they turned absolutely. it into, you know, like, and and again, uh, we've commended Marcus Freeman for, you know, putting the right spin on it and getting the players focused in the right, you know, frame of mind and all that different stuff. But the Sun Bowl is not where anyone no, is looking for at the start of the season.
2: Not at all. And, and, you know, we talk about New Year's Six and we talk about those kinds of expectations and things like that. Well, now moving forward from here on out, 24 and beyond, New Year's Six equals playoff. Like now we're having a completely, you know, different discussion moving forward. I know we're going to talk about next year in a minute, but uh, this year, from a record standpoint, from an end of game standpoint or end of season standpoint, it was not a success in my opinion.
1: I concur. And now we're going to dig a little bit deeper and kind of look at sort of where it was successful, where, you know, where it fell the most short, you know, I, I, I like this comment. From DK, I wouldn't have thought Snapchat for DK, but he says if I walk over to the to talk to the hottest girl in the room, that's a success. But if I don't get her Snapchat, it's a failure. How old are you, DK? I didn't realize Snapchat. So, was yeah, like seriously,
2: your thing. You know? I have Snapchat, but only because I have to use it for school. Basically, I don't have Snapchat. Now, What do you
1: do? Do you do you like stalk students for with your Snapchat? Like, how does that work, Dean? Yeah,
2: for for the most part, I may or may not have an alias on there. Uh, you know that kind of a deal. You gotta, you know. Got to make it happen. I'm a pretty popular guy, but people don't even know who I am. It's awesome.
1: So so where do you think they did meet the expectations? Well, from, I think know, what, what we thought yeah, coming into this season.
2: I, I think defensively they met the expectations, if not, you know, succeeded or, you know, overachieved uh, to a degree. I mean, the, the defense took one heck of a step forward. Um, you know, people were calling for Al Golden's job. They were calling for Al Washington's job. I mean, we've We've talked about this for a while, but I think if we're gonna talk about where they where they, you know, hit the mark where they should have been, and if not past that mark, it's gotta be the defensive side of the football. I mean, and that's that's big picture talking. That's the whole unit. You know, we can break it down specifically, well, but I think you know, you can go like, individual players, you could do there's a lot of different ways you could go, but I think defensively overall Oh for sure. They 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 bypass where we thought they would be.
1: Well, see, and that's see, I broke it like where did they meet expectations where did they overachieve where did they underachieve and so okay. yep. like again i think if i look at like what we expected coming in i definitely put the defense in the overachieve category but not b- because there were so many questions about the defense coming into the season based sure. on sure. last year and then when you look at where they ended up being like you know, again, like they didn't, they, they didn't just get to, you know, whatever expectation level they surpassed it, you know, pretty big time. When you look number eight in defensive touchdowns, number 29, third down defense, number three, pass yards allowed number two, red zone defense, number 26, rush defense, number seven, scoring defense, number one pass efficiency defense, number five, total defense, number 12 in turnovers gained. And I mean, like, remember, you're like, couple of the biggest issues they had last year red zone defense turnovers gained you know like those were two major issues so again to me like they didn't just go to the bar they far exceeded it so yeah. that's what like I put I put I I put the defense in the overachieve category and that's like if you're gonna, you know and like if you're gonna look at your player specific I put Xavier Watts
2: oh you know, like overachieve yeah I mean Com- yeah go ahead Sorry. No, the, you go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I've I, always been a huge Xavier Watts fan. Like, I have always been in his corner, and I've always been excited about what he would be able to do if they just put him in a position and let him learn that position and be successful at that position, right? And he finally had multiple years at one position, and he's an All-American. Like, I, I think I thought that he would be a very integral part of the defense, right? I think I thought that he would be a very valuable piece of the defense, I didn't think he would garner All-American status. So that's an overachievement. There's no – anybody that sits here and tells you that he was going to be an All-American and that they knew that that was going to happen is lying to your face. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. Even Brian is one of the biggest Xavier Watts supporters out there. But even him, and I haven't asked him this question, and I should do that sometime, even him I cannot imagine he was like, yeah I knew Xavier Watts is going to be an all-American this year there's no way yeah there's no way I can't I
1: cannot see anyone who you know like and I haven't seen anyone who is predicting Xavier Watts for All-American at the start of the season like I think like the there are probably four players who would have fit that. Benjamin Morrison is who sure. we would have been talking about on defense. I don't think anyone else would have been predicting an All-American, you know, anyone else to be All-American on defense. Sure. And then Joe Walt, Audric Estime, Sam Hartman. You Absolutely. know, maybe borderline Sam you know, or or uh, Blake Fisher. Other than that, uh, you know, outside of those players, I don't think anyone was predicting any Notre Dame player, you know, to kind of be. And, like, and we can go back and look at the preseason. All-American stuff. I think maybe Zeke Corral was getting a little bit of love, you know, like sure. from some of the, you know, different organizations and stuff like that. But that was pretty much it. You know, again, yeah, specific to the defensive side, I, I don't think Cam Hart was really being
2: thought of. Should have been, but you know, no, he, wasn't. But but he wasn't. But he, yeah, I
1: mean, he ended up, you know, like again, like you talk about maybe someone who overachieved based on sure. expectation coming into the season. I think Hart probably fits that range as well. But I think that you know, again, with the way the defense performed overall, I think you had a lot of guys on that side of the ball who really, you know, Howard Cross yeah. being one of them, you know, who really, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Sure. You, you know, who all kind of outperformed what we thought maybe they were good. You know, they were like, we thought that they could be good, but they, they took it to another level, I think.
2: I mean, the fact that Xavier Watts ended up being the best defensive player in the country, number one. Uh, unanimous All American number two, and the first safety at Notre Dame to be a unanimous All American. I mean, that's some—it's not elite company. He's by himself. Like that's that is absolutely amazing to me on so many levels.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree, and I think that, um, you know, again, like where they probably met the expectation was. They eliminated the bad losses like Marshall and Stanford sure. last year, and they. I, I still don't know how to deal with Louisville because, you know, like when you when you look at Louisville, you know they had some good defensive metrics and all that, sure. but like should should Plummer have had you know performed that much better in that
2: game than Sam Hartman? Right. Absolutely not. No. Well, and and Louisville is an enigma all by itself. I mean, you got a first year head coach who who's undeniably a good coach I mean I think we all can agree on that I think Jeff Brom's a really good coach Sure. I think that if again 10 times out of 10 before this game is played if you if you tell me what the the quarterback matchup is going to be Notre Dame wins that matchup every time in my brain like that like I when we were predicting that game it's like well Plummer's the quarterback for Louisville so there's no way they're gonna win like that was my whole thought process going into that game now Louisville, I think, surprised a lot of people with the season that they ended up happening, having. It wasn't just what happened against Notre Dame. I mean, they ended up in the ACC championship, for goodness sakes. I mean, they, they, they outperformed them. So you want know to talk about overachieving? Louisville overachieved all year long, and the pinnacle of that overachievement was the win against Notre Dame. No doubt about it. Now, does right. that mean that that should have happened? Absolutely not. That should not have happened. Notre Dame was the better team in all facets, there's no doubt. But they were still in a fog after Ohio State and Duke, and they just laid an absolute egg from start to finish. They didn't deserve to win that game.
1: Okay, so a couple of different ways to go here. Sloppy Joe says, you know, if if Notre Dame had beaten Ohio State, does the Louisville loss happen? I mean, you know, the other way to look at it is – if they beat Ohio State, does the Duke win happen, or do they go out sure. and lay an egg? You know, the next week does that go completely the other way because they, you know, they definitely looked flat for the majority of that Duke game before Sam Hartman and Andre Estime bailed them out at the end of the game, right? So, like, right? That, that I think that's the other side of it, and then on top of that, the four straight night games. I still I still have a hard time you know because I've seen people kind of use that you know well four straight night you know, like I get it in college football it's a little bit different but at the end of the day you know they call it friday night lights for a reason these kids you know like their whole high school careers, or at least when they're playing varsity, anyway, they're playing every Friday night at the end of a school day, right. and sometimes traveling two, three hours on Absolutely. a rickety old school bus to go do it. You know, the so so like I have a hard time saying four straight night games really had that big an impact on them. You know, like
2: it, what do you, it had what more do you of an... think?
1: Because you've been through it as well. You know, on the, on the Friday night stuff.
2: I mean. You make a good point about high school, right? And now I will also say the pressure of high school is not the same as it is in college. Just to play devil's advocate with you, right? Right. Um, I, I will say that I you will don't say have that,
1: you know TV meetings and you know all you know producer all meetings that stuff. And all those you different know, kind of things. Yeah,
2: all the extra when you're talking about big boy college football, right? And right. You don't really right. have that at the high school level. And so that would be the big and you right. know
1: whatever else. Yeah, that
2: would be the biggest difference. You know what I mean? It, it, it's you know if the game's on TV around here it's a huge deal and the, you know they come and talk to the kids at practice on like a Wednesday you know what I mean and that's it mm-hmm. um, so the pressure's obviously different the the four straight night game thing is is an excuse though like that I'm sorry if you're playing big boy Division one college football get over it that that would be my that would I'm sorry as a coach if I heard a player complaining or even one of my assistants complaining I'd be like dude get over it for for three hours you get to play the best game on the planet. At a high level, I don't care what time of day it is. We'll go anywhere, anytime, any place, and we'll play this game. Like, stop it! Just stop it. That—that's yeah. I, I. That is not an excuse. I, I feel like it was harder for us to deal with that <laughs> as opposed to the, the, the players. Like, come on, man, we're fat old men,
1: you know. Three-hour the game show, yeah, like, that's come
2: right. on. <laughs> um, but no I, I don't I don't like that as an excuse. I really really don't. Now, I, don't it either. Sucks, I mean, but it's I, I don't like it.
1: I think if anything you could say okay, four straight games against, you know, ranked teams, you know, maybe yeah. that plays into sure. it. But again, it's like, you know, Duke doesn't end up being ranked at the end of the year. And, you know, Louisville went out and laid a big fat egg themselves the next week. I mean, ultimately they lost it to did. Pittsburgh, Kentucky, Florida State without Jordan Travis. And they, they, you know, they lost, you know, again, bowl game. So, you know, how big an impact, you know, opt-outs and all that were. But they had Plummer against USC in the Holiday Bowl. And Miller Moss goes off on that defense, you know. So, I just, for whatever reason, that that is that is the biggest head-scratcher yeah. of the year to me. Like, even, even Clemson, because Clemson was still more talented. They, they still should have shown up in that game. But, I mean, that's that's the biggest question that Marcus Freeman has now is how you play better on the road. Because again, you know, they barely beat Duke on the road. You know, they, they lose to Louisville. They lose to Clemson on the road at the, you know, they were three and two in road games by the end of the season. And the fact that they didn't show up in a couple of games and, you know, like Sam Hartman's numbers, you look at that, you know, the fact that they didn't show up in a couple of those games and they barely Showed up, you know they they showed up just enough in the other one in the in the in the comeback win over Duke because they were you know an eyelash away from being two and three in road games if they don't right. complete that Duke comeback.
2: One hundred percent, absolutely, and I, and I some of the people in the chat are talking about you know the fact that they are still in college, they have to take class, and you know there's extra things that happen. They're not pros, and and four straight night games is tough. Okay, I I get it. But they're also every one of the players on the roster is getting paid too, you know. Not only yeah. are they getting a free education, I mean, they're also getting paid. You, you so know, you,
1: you've got to go to class. Yeah, but
2: a lot of these kids are taking twelve credit hours too. And that's what well, I was going to you know, say. It's it's like,
1: like again, like high school. You, you know, you're there for you know like seven eight hours a day. Whereas in college, right. that's different. it's completely different. You've got a couple hours a day. You know, you've got practice, and the, you know, sure. the detail of practice and the playbook is different. But Fridays tend to be, you know, a little bit of a lighter day for the
2: college guys. you've got time to recover. And you're also traveling
1: sometimes on those Fridays, you know. There's
2: time built in to recover within the week, okay? There's a reason they're not playing three football games a week. You get all week to recover, and, and I get that it wears on you. I was worn out after four straight night games, and I'm not even playing the game, okay? I get it. I totally understand it. But again,
1: and you also get to sleep in Saturday morning, though, where, you know, completely different than if you're playing a noon game in the Big Ten or whatever it
2: happens to be. You get to sleep a little bit more Saturday morning. And here and here's the thing. You signed up for this at Notre Dame. okay? like you didn't go into this thing blind. And so you signed up to play at a high level and you signed up to be on TV every week and you signed up to be in primetime. So. I just don't like it as an excuse. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's an anomaly. It, it, it's the first time in forever that they've played four straight sure. night games against ranked teams and all that. But I just, you know, I I don't think any of us have sat down and looked at, you know, like what, Al, you know, like how many night games in a row Alabama's had to play and, you know, or, or you know, Georgia or whoever else in the SEC. You know, the bottom line is. Though, if you are a high-profile program, you're going to play your share of primetime games.
2: Sure. It's just the way it is, yep. you know. so uh, Absolutely. And, this, and these nighttime games were in the first half of the season, too. Like, I yeah. I understand that, you know, the season wears on. It's same thing in high school. Practices get shorter. You do less hitting, you know, and all that. We're talking the first six games of the season, I'm pretty sure. And so, without look, going back and looking at the actual schedule, but I know it was in the front half. So, you know, body fatigue is one. It, that is absolutely a thing. I, I get it. It's a thing.
1: No, fatigue is real. But how does playing a night game fatigue you any more you than playing play. a day game? Like, yeah. is it, isn't it better that you're playing four consecutive games at about the same time as opposed to one week at 7.30, the next week it's 2.30, and then you're back at 7.30 yeah. the next week and then bouncing you know, again, like if you're in the Big Ten, you get a noon game or something like Like, isn't it better that you, you know, you get your bodies on the same schedule for the most part four weeks in a row than if you're changing times each week? I would think so. Right. I don't know.
2: Well, if you're going to, you know. Because you're really...
1: fatigued either way because you're right. still playing the games,
2: you know. Hey, listen, if we're going to, if we're really going to talk about travel being a problem and and how it's bad for the student athlete and all that, why don't you go – why don't you pick up the phone and call the Big Ten and ask them how uh, the Olympic sports are going to be doing here starting next year. <laughs> that's that's
1: exactly right. Well, and I mean, you know, Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC next year and the right. basketball teams and the baseball teams. Exactly. Not just them, but ACC as well. You know, we're, we're going to, the way it sounds, like, you know, men's and women's basketball, you're, you're going to have like a four plus hour flight to get out there to the West Coast. Good luck. At least every other year, if not every year. I don't All know because right. I'm assuming what they'll do is stagger it. So one year you go to Stanford, one year to go to Cal or you go to Cal, either that or they'll make it so that, you know, like for example, women's basketball plays Thursday, Sunday, you know, maybe they make it so that, you know, you go out and you play Cal on Thursday and stand out Monday, and you just yeah. stay out there. You know,
2: which I could see that like being—I could see that being a thing for sure.
1: Yeah, especially for the teams that are even farther east in the ACC. You know, like Miami and Florida State, and those sure. teams down there. You know, in Florida, like that's—they're actually going to be some long hauls. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So we got we got stuck on the night game <laughs> issue which
2: well, is fine. You never know which way we're going to go.
1: No, I know. So again, like I think that they most overachieved with the defense. Are there any other areas, you know, where you think maybe they they overachieved this season?
0: <sighs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
2: Not especially, I, I really, no, I mean, we could go like position by position, maybe say some kid overachieved, like I would say Mitchell Evans overachieved, you know, that kind of a deal. Um, I think you could go position by position and pick out a few guys yeah. that overachieve, you know, that type of thing. But other than that, no, I I think. I think it kind of stays with the defense, and I, I think that's where they they really, really overachieved.
1: Yeah, I, and it, you know, and again, like when we talk about overachieved versus even meeting expectations, I felt like the running game was what it was supposed to be.
3: Yeah, I don't, I do too. I,
1: I don't put that in the overachieved category, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like we all expected them to have a really good running game, and they had a really good running game, and they had a really good running back, and you know, maybe, maybe I would say even. Audric Estime, you know, exceeded the expectations a little bit just because I thought that the workload split might look a little bit like it did two years ago when he, you know, he and Logan Diggs were sharing the load a little bit more. But as the season went on, it was yeah. mostly, you know, like the reps were split a little bit more earlier on in the season. As the season went on, it was mostly Audric Estime, though.
2: Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. I. I, I think. I mean, I think you could make the case that maybe Audric overachieved a little bit. I mean, I think we all knew that he had talent. I think we all knew that you mm-hmm. know what he could potentially do. But being the absolute workhorse of that group, yeah, I think you could make a case that he overachieved. I think the run game as a whole met the expectation, but I think maybe Audric individually may have overachieved a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, when you when you look at at you know where the you know where his season ended up being I would definitely yeah. agree with that. I,
2: you know, I think you could say, you know, the freshman wide receivers may have given more than maybe we anticipated as a group. Yeah, when you throw in Jordan Faison and Enrico Flores and I and think Gray you House. have to kind of
1: put them in that be, just you, because of the history yeah. of freshman receivers.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, and lack thereof, right? So yeah. I think I think that as a as a a break off of the wide receivers, I think they overachieve. I think the the wide receivers as a whole underachieved. Right. But I think the freshmen themselves overachieved.
1: Right. DK was saying high school kids take a bus 30 minutes to a game. Now, obviously, if you live in a metro area and there are multiple high schools in your metro area, then yeah, it's like 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. But sure, there are different yeah. parts of the country. You know, like growing up where I grew up in Kansas, you know, because we were a bigger school, so for us to play comparable schools, like even in our league. Like it was nothing, you know. We were hour and a half to two hour bus rides to get, yeah. you know, to to our league competition.
2: It just varies that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: Yeah. It so it just it just depends on where you live. I think you know what, yeah. you know what part of the country you're in. Again, you know, like bigger cities, you're not going to have to go that far because you know, like Indianapolis, for example, there are high schools all over the place down there, and you don't have
2: to go quite as far. But absolutely, not to get hung up on that. No, but that's good. I just think that's it dope. depends on where you happen depends. to be. Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. But I
1: think somebody said, you know, like the Dakotas, you're probably freaking.
2: You might be a four hour bus ride yeah. sometimes,
1: you know, to get to where you're going. Um, the underachieve, like what, what you know, what aspect, you know, again, it wasn't. I think the where they underachieved was mostly just. You know, like the results from an right?
2: expectation standpoint. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly the the overall wins and losses. I mean, that's where they made that's where they underachieved, right? And then you could break it down to you know they underachieved in a couple of in game coaching you know areas. Only having ten men on the field, uh, you know, throwing the ball at the end of the Ohio State game. Um, You know, th- th- there's there's plenty of places in there where you can be like, yeah, they underachieved there. But at the end of the day the biggest underachievement is nine regular season wins like that. That's Mm -hmm. by far the biggest underachievement. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. This was not, this was not a nine win football team. I'm sorry. And no, no amount of, well, I knew they were going to be nine and three is going to convince me that this is a nine win football team. Yes, Charlie. I understand that you are what your record says you are right from his famous press conference. Right. I get that. It was, this was a nine win team. This, this was not a nine win football team. It just, I'm sorry, it wasn't. And the fact that they ended up being that is a huge disappointment. They underachieved.
1: I just want to go back to DK. I don't know how old you think I am, DK, (laughs) but I was not in high school in the 70s.
2: That's harsh. (laughs) He just aged you a decade, dude. Seriously. I mean, come on. (laughs)
1: I've seen pictures of those guys. I don't look like those guys. Okay. (laughs) I mean, we've got some different comments here, you know, offensive line offense, Sam Hartman, you know, again, it's, I don't think, I don't think big picture. You can say the offense underachieved now you can say in those three specific games, that the offense definitely underachieved in those yeah. games, and you can they say did. in those specific games, especially the last two, Louisville and Clemson, that Sam Hartman underachieved in those games because sure. he threw in the Louisville game, and the Clemson game, both losses, yeah. three total touchdowns, five interceptions, plus yeah. a couple fumbles as well. And you know, one was a pick six, obviously right. against Clemson. So you can say those specific games Hartman did. It's hard. It's to me, it's hard to evaluate his season just because of the unevenness of that. Sure. And even when you look at the total numbers, like we all thought he was going to have more than 2,600 yards and 24 touchdown passes. 100%, right?
2: hundred percent. hundred percent.
1: Can we, is he an underachiever? Did he come close to meeting expectations? Like where, where do you put the season that he had
2: man? for, for Sam Harmon? It was, he underachieved from what we anticipated he would be. Um, I think when they, when they first t- said that they were going to bring him in, I was like, really? Like, I, I, I kind of gave a double take. I didn't know that he was the guy to, you know, take them to the next level, you know, that kind of a deal. But then, you know, I watched film and, you know, all that. Okay. He's got the tools Let's see what he can do in a pro style offense, you know, all those different things and saying all the right things, doing all the right things. You know, he was completely hundred percent bought in. And then the game started, right? And the first get, first four games, it was like, this is the dude. This is the guy. We, you know, Notre Dame hasn't seen quarterback play like this in a really, really long time. And then the rest of the season happened. And to be honest with you, I think Sam Hartman was underwhelming the remainder of the season. Now, he had some peaks, obviously. But in my opinion, when it came to actually playing the position of quarterback, Right. There were more valleys than peaks the last two thirds of the season, last half of the season. In my opinion, just you know, the lack of going through reads, the lack of trust with some of the receivers. Now we have since found out that there were some extenuating circumstances with the wide receiver quarterback relationship. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's and that's how that's how part of it. You know, that's the, part of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it it does at least factor in there. Yeah, hundred percent. It, does it does. factor in.
2: There, there's no doubt about it. It absolutely factors into it. So it allows me to kind of grade on the curve. little bit when it comes to sam hartman but if if we're gonna compare him to my expectations he underachieved right if we didn't have those expectations coming in nine and three okay you know and 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 he was what he was working with at wide receiver and he his best tight end his security blanket went down with an injury you know all of these different things happened which hurt him and his confidence level as well you know what i mean and so He's still underachieved for me, but I don't think it's as bad as I had originally thought. How about that?
1: Yeah, because of the receiver thing, you right. know, like how much difference does that make in those in those big moments? You know, like in the, you know, when he's when he's out there throwing five interceptions i don't right. know i mean yeah it's yeah he was he was thrown to the guy that apparently you know the former wide receivers coach loved <laughs> you know right. on that first interception against louisville right right like, yeah
2: yeah i don't I, know i mean like i said there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there and i, I have to give sam a little bit of a pass right it, because of that and and you just do that's just the reality of it I try to look at it from this point of view, Sean. Five years from now, when I look back at the 2023 season, will I think that bringing in Sam Hartman was the right decision? I think every time I will say yes. I still think it was the right move. I still think that he added to this team. I think I think they benefited from his presence on the team. I do. Yeah. When you think of all the other options they could have had, Tyler Buckner would have been the starter most likely. You know What would that have looked like? Whatever. I still think it was the right move and I still will look back on it in a positive manner. Yeah, and the other side know, of that is
1: road. like if depending on what kind of year Tyler Buckner would have just been coming off of if they don't add Sam Hartman, then you also you know, you either are adding Riley Leonard coming into this year or Tyler Buckner it's coming is coming back for his final year, yeah. yeah coming into another year what yeah how different that looks then at right at that point yeah I still I, I I agree though I think that they're still better off and I think I think the sort of you know and Jesse and I touched on this a little bit yesterday what they gained I think with the NIL perception and all those different like I think that that factored into What we've seen in the transfer portal class this year, you know, like specific to Riley Leonard and some of these other guys as well. I think that 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 Sam Hartman, if nothing else, really helped change the perception of what NIL looks like at Notre Dame and what you can get
2: from NIL, I think, especially as a transfer guy. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make from an off the field standpoint. Right. And we are in the NIL era and Notre Dame was not getting good publicity when it came to NIL. They just weren't, and I would. I think top to bottom, the Sam Hartman experiment from an off the field standpoint. When you're talking about NIL and exposure, and you know, remember, remember, we had this discussion, Sean, when they were doing. I think it was the SEC Media Days, and Notre Dame was like, "We're going to send some guys to New York, and we're just going to do our own." Remember that? It right. was like, I mean, that's a that's a power move, okay? Yeah, and, and Notre Dame can do that. And Sam Hartman was the face of that power move.
1: Yeah, you had Sam Hartman, Audrick Estime. I think Joe Alt was out there as well. And yeah, and they're out there, you know, doing their little, you know, Marcus Freeman was obviously out there. They're doing their little parade through ESPN and some other like NFL network and other media outlets and and stuff like that. That's absolutely right. We don't need conference media days because we can, you know, we generate our own interest out
2: here in the media. Absolutely. So, I mean, in that regard... Sean, as the New as, York
1: Mets, you know, throwing out the first yeah, pitch and all as that. Salty kind of says pitch.
2: Sam Hartman off the field was a total overachievement. I have to agree with that. I think it was. I think I think, so too. I think it expanded Notre Dame's profile from an NIL standpoint. And that's part of the reason. Not all of the reason, but it's part of the reason that they had the success that they had in the transfer portal this past month. Because they killed it. I concur. Absolutely concur. Yep. They killed it. Because part of it is, look what we did with Sam Hartman. Look what we did with so-and-so. Look, you know, look what Baptiste uh, did. You know, look at this. Look at that. Here we go. And they got most of the number one guys that they were going after. Like their Their hit rate was a lot better than their miss rate. There's no doubt about that.